study the Bible, and I think we're pretty much going to starting to wind down on this, and, and hopefully pretty soon we're going to start getting into the nuts and bolts of how to study the Bible. And um, <clears throat> turn to Psalm 119, please. So last, last week we talked, talked about one of the reasons why we study the Bible is for sanctification. In that when you study the Bible, when you, when you begin to meditate on the Word of God, it begins to change your mindset. And so this week we want to talk about wisdom and guidance and how the Word of God and studying the Word of God um, gives us wisdom and guidance. And by guidance, I don't mean like specifically... I mean more like in how that we live our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, in Psalm 119, verse 97, it says, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Your commandments, look at this, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. Excuse me. And again, we know that their enemies in the Old Testament were Amalekites, Philistines, and their enemies were human in nature. We know for us in the New Testament that our enemies are principalities and powers and, and the darkness of this world, right? So it gives me comfort when I read the Bible and it says that meditating on the Word of God, meditating on His Word, it makes me wiser than my enemies. Because I don't know about you guys, but I have constant struggles with my enemies. I know that um, there's all manner of attacks against me while I'm at work. And same with you guys. You, you know, we're always constantly under attack. And we're constantly under attack by spiritual darkness that tries to bring us down, that tries to um, uh, turn us from what God has called us to do. And so it's, it comforts me to know that the Word of God makes me wiser than my enemies. Just like we talked about last, last week, if the enemies had known that crucifying what crucifying uh, Jesus would do, they wouldn't have done it in the first place. So it's, it's, it's so awesome to me that God used the plan of the enemy to turn it against him and destroy the enemy with it. And that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God gives us wisdom that is able to conquer the thoughts, the intention, and the desires that the enemy wants to bring against our lives. In verse 98, he says, Your commandments make me wiser than the, my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I observed your precepts. Look at this in verse 101. I've restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding, look at this, therefore I hate every false way. And so when we begin to meditate on the word of God and we allow the word of God to sink down from our minds into our hearts, it begins to give us a wisdom that makes us more that makes us wiser than the powers of darkness that are attacking us, that makes us wiser than the aged. It gives us a wisdom that causes us to live above this world, right? And to walk and not be sucked in because I don't know about you guys, but I don't like getting sucked into the plans of the enemy. I don't like being defeated. I don't like being um, feeling like I'm being downtrodden. 
And so the word of God will strengthen us. It will help us to see the attacks and see the, uh, the schemes that the enemy's bringing on our lives before they come. You know, a lot of people in this world are intelligent. I mean, uh, I, I truly don't believe that there's any, any stupid person. A lot of people think they're, they're dumb. A lot of people think they're stupid. And, mm -hmm. and some people have challenges. But there is no truly stupid person. Every person on this planet has a gift that God has given them. And where they might not be smart in some areas, they'll be smart in other areas, right? And uh, so, so pretty much everyone has an intelligence. But there's a difference between intelligence and wisdom. And the difference is, is that intelligence, every one of us, for the most part, know the difference between right and wrong. Even if it's like biblically based or it's just, just knowing being smart enough, like I know if I go out and break the law, there's a good chance I'm going to get arrested, right? The difference between intelligence and wisdom is intelligence knows what's right and wrong. Wisdom chooses what's right and wrong. Does that make sense? If you're someone that's wise, you see that if I do this wrong thing, I could get in trouble. Therefore, I'm not going to do that thing. And so I think that especially when someone first comes to Christ or, or people that are young, we have all this intelligence, but a lot of times we don't have wisdom. And the way that we get wisdom is by meditating on the Word of God. And again, because we've lived so long in the world, our minds have been trained by what the world says. We're inundated every day by the news, by the things, by the media, by, by books, magazines, everything. We are surrounded by the world. And so the world is constantly inputting its knowledge into our heads. And it's the wisdom of God that's going to cause us to rise above that knowledge and to live as God caused, called us to live in this world, right? Um. Look at James chapter 1. Because a lot of times, in, in, you know, a lot of times you're, you're ministering to people, whether, whether it's uh, believers or unbelievers, and uh, they'll be telling you the things that are going on in their lives or the things that they're dealing with. And so you'll tell them what the Word of God says, and, you, and they're like, you know what? I know that you're right. I know that I ought to live that way, but, Right? And it's like uh, Shanda and I were talking about earlier. It's like a lot of times when we're kids, and I know I was this way. I was brought up in church. And so when I became a young, a young adult, when I was like in my teens, I knew what was right. And I knew what was wrong, but I still wanted to partake of the world. Right? And so, and that's the way it is. Like, we know what's right, we know the right thing to do, but we don't do it. In James chapter 1, verse 21, he says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Look at this in verse 22. He says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers, look at this, who delude themselves. So if we, if we, and it's not enough to read the word, guys. It's not enough to go to church and listen to the word of God being taught if we're not going to do what it says. It says that if you're someone that just listens to the word of God, you deceive or you delude yourself. Verse 23 says, For if anyone, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. But once he's looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. 
But in verse 25, but one who looks intently, one who meditates, one who reads the word so that it's not just words on a page, but it's words that get into your heart. And we've all experienced that. When you're reading the Bible, sometimes you have to kind of shake yourself, right? Because we've all, how many times have you read a chapter and then you have to go back and reread that chapter? Or you've read a, you've read a paragraph, you've read a sentence, and you're like, I got nothing out of that. And so you have to stir yourself up, go back to that and read it and see what it's trying to say to you. Let it become a part of you. Let it get inside your heart. And uh, so, so sometimes there comes a shaking of ourselves so that we understand and we're reading the word so that it allows us to change us. Change us. Verse 25, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. You see that? If anyone thinks he is... If anyone thinks he himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Look at this in verse 27. Because a lot of us like to say, well, I'm not religious, I just love Jesus. But according to the Bible, there is a religion that's pure. There's a religion that's from God. There's a religion that's holy. It says pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Turn to another place in chapter 4, verse 17. In chapter 4, verse 17, he says, Therefore to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it's sin. So again, Reading the Word of God is not enough. We have to, again, like we were talking about last week, we have to pray, Holy Spirit, come. Let this Word become a part of me. Let this Word be life to me. And uh, the Holy Spirit has to energize it. Amen? Um, let's look at an example in 1 Kings chapter 3. In 1 Kings chapter 3, it talks about Solomon. You guys all know the story of Solomon, right? Solomon started out good. Solomon was the son of David. And uh, when he first became a Christian, he was wholeheartedly following the Lord. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7, um, this is when, I mean, we all know the story. God raised up David. David was a man after God's own heart, right? David wanted to build a temple for God, but God told him, you, you can't build the temple for me because you're a man of bloodshed. And so God told him, I'm going to let your, your son Solomon build the temple for me. So Solomon builds the temple for God, and then he begins to pray and dedicate the temple uh, to the Lord. And in verse, um, verse 7, there's Megan. Hey, there's, there's some markers and some paper on the table for the kids. Oh, okay. If she wants to, she can, the guest room back there, she can go in there and color or the table or whatever. Okay. So we're talking, there's tea on the table also. 
We're talking about how the uh, Word of God gives you wisdom and guidance. Yeah. And um, we're in 1 Kings chapter 3, talking about Solomon. Um, again, this is when Solomon is dedicating the temple to the Lord. In verse 6, he says, Then Solomon said, You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he, as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and upright, uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Listen to his prayer in verse 7. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. Look at this in verse 9. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil, evil for who is able to, to judge this great people of yours? So Solomon, when he becomes king, he builds his temple for the Lord. He doesn't just take it for granted. He doesn't take for granted the fact that he's following the Lord. He doesn't take it for granted that he's David's son and David had special favor with God. But he prays for wisdom to, and, and guidance for the Lord to guide him in the task that he has to do. And in verse 10, it says, It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have you asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice, behold, I have done according to your words." Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart, so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall there be anyone uh, to arise after you. And so it blessed the heart of God that Solomon came and sought wisdom from him. And it blesses God's heart when we seek wisdom. When we study the word of God and we're studying it to get to know him and to know his heart, it blesses him. And God looks on that with favor. And uh, it pleases him that we do that. Um, I'm going to look at this in chapter 10, verse 23. 1 Kings, chapter 10. So we're just looking at an example in the Bible about wisdom and, and following the Lord. And in verse 23, it says, So King Solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. All the earth was seeking the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put in his heart. So God bestowed all this wisdom on, on Solomon. The book of Proverbs, you read the book of Proverbs, I mean, you could spend years just in... The book of Proverbs. I mean, there is so much wisdom in the book of Proverbs. If you live by the book of Proverbs, you could stay out of so much trouble, right? I mean, there is, there is so much in the book of Proverbs that is just so practical, practical for day-to-day -day living. And it was written by Solomon. But uh, look at this also in um, um, for, uh, chapter 11, one chapter over. verse 1. Look at this. Now, Solomon started out with lots of wisdom. He started out following God with all of his, all of his heart. But look at it in verse 1. It says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. 
from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, You shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you. For if you do, they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. And Solomon held fast to these women in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives, look at this, his wives turned his heart away. So God, again, God warned the people of Israel, if you intermingle with these people, they will take your heart away from me. So don't do it. Solomon had all this wisdom, but wisdom, the nature of wisdom is that it's not this temporary thing. Wisdom is not a one-time thing. Wisdom is something that you seek from God every day. And that's why we meditate. And that's why we study the word as often as we can. That's why we meditate on the word of God as often as we can. Because meditate, like we talked about the manna, is not something that you just go out, or, or I mean wisdom, is not just something that you go out and gather one day and you're, you're wise for the rest of your life, right? Wisdom is something that must be maintained. It must be, guard it must be jealously guarded and it must be something that you're pursuing constantly. Amen? Verse, uh, verse 4 again, it says, For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his way after other gods, and his heart was not wholly de devoted to the Lord his God, as had been the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the, det the detestable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab, on the mountain which is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the detestable idol of the sons of Ammon. Thus also he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Look at this in verse now. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. God had physically appeared to Solomon. And it's like Saul. God chose Saul out of all the people of Israel to be king. And Saul refused to obey him. And uh, God appeared to Solomon. I mean, can you imagine that? And we, th we, a lot of times, we're like, God, if I could just see you once, it would change me forever, right? If I could just see God in the flesh one time, I, my life would be entirely different. But the thing is, is we're no different from these guys. And again, we need to continually be seeking the Lord. We need to continually, you can't feed on yesterday's blessings. You can't feed on yesterday's relationship with God, no matter how powerful it was. Because we live day to day, and we need God's wisdom today. In verse 10, it says, uh, or look at verse 9 again. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. So the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and you have not kept my covenant and my statues, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and will give it to your servant. You see that? So again, um, turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is why we seek the Lord. And again, it's not this legalistic thing of you have to read your Bible for, for an hour every day. You have, to, you have to pray for an hour every day or anything like that. It's, is your heart devoted to the Lord? 
Are you seeking God? Because if you're not doing it in this world, there are so many influences, there are so many things that will tear your heart away. Right? There are so many, I mean, there are so many challenges. There are so many um, obstacles. There are so many things that we face on a daily basis that we have to come to God. And it's that dependence. God wants us to be dependent on Him. I think about that song that we sing at church, and it's awesome. It's an awesome song, but... But, you know, like everything, you, you have to take it the right way. But that song that says, um, you're never going to let me down, you know what I'm talking about? It's an awesome song, and it's true in some ways. But in other ways, God will let you down purposefully. I mean, think about Abraham when God told him to sacrifice his son. This son that God had told him for, uh, 14 years before, I'm going to give you a son, and through that son, you're going to multiply. You're going to become as vast as the seas, as the sands on the seashore. You're going to have a, um, this lineage that's going to fill the earth. So Abraham has to wait all this time, and then God finally gives him this son. So Abraham's like, God's done it. God has done the thing that he told me that he was going to do. Can you imagine when God comes to him and says, Abraham, I want you to take that son that you waited for, and I want you to sacrifice him. I mean, that's a letdown, right? I mean, after you have waited for the promise, after your wife was at the age where she shouldn't even be able to bear children, after all the sacrifices that you had gone through, and we, guys, every one of us have been through circumstances like that. We have felt the Lord promises, we've, we've, we've followed the Lord, we've obeyed Him, and things didn't turn, turn out the way that we thought that they were going to do. We have been let down. And you know what? That's the place where we find God. That's the place where our hearts truly um, become attached to Him because that's the place of dependency. That's the place where we're no longer relying on ourselves, when we're no longer relying on our own strength, when we're no longer relying on our abilities, our, because we all have abilities, we all have uh, gifts, we all have things that we're able to operate in, we all have intelligence like we were talking about before, but you're in that circumstance where all hell is breaking loose and there is no answer outside of God and God alone. That's where we find him. And so it's true in the long run that he won't let us down. And, and um, you know, he, uh, he, he wants the best for his children. But a lot of times it doesn't happen in the way that we think that it's going to happen. It doesn't happen in the way that we want it to happen. And there's all this stuff in the church about just come to Jesus. He's going to bless you. He's going to make you happy. Your life's going to be awesome. There's never going to be any problems. And it's a lie. And the, thing, and the thing that concerns me about that is because people believe that and they come to Jesus and they're going to church and then hell hits their lives and they're not equipped to handle it and they're not equipped to stand and, and they, they fall away. And, and to me, there is a gross injustice when, when, when churches, when, when, when pastors teach that kind of stuff to new believers because when you become, there's a scripture in Ezekiel that says, he who turns aside from unrighteousness makes himself a prey. And the fact of the matter is we do have an enemy. And the enemy wants to destroy your lives if you're following God. 
And if you don't know that in your head, if you're not prepared for warfare, if you're not prepared to fight and to stand your ground when the enemy comes, then he's going to come in like a flood and you're not going to have anything to stand against it. And so the Bible is very clear that there will be trials in your life. There will be tribulation. But in the midst of those trials, God is with us. And if we seek him in that moment and we, we cry out to him, then, then he's there. Right, and sometimes he does. Sometimes he delivers us from those things. Sometimes he comes through with a miracle and just blows away the enemy. But sometimes he's with us in the fire, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God did not lift them out of that fire, but he was with them in that fire. Um, we just watched a, a movie just the other night about these uh, missionaries that went to Japan, and just uh, they went in the I think it was the 1500s or whatever, and it was illegal. And so those, those guys were giving their lives. There are people right now in other countries who are giving their lives to follow the Lord. And uh, if you read, um, what is the book? There's a, there's a book about martyrs, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Man, every Christian should have that book because Fox's Book of Martyrs, it's just awesome, man. It talks about people going through trials, going through sufferings. There's this one story about a guy that was being burned at the stake and his friends were like, if it's bearable, let us know somehow. And and when he was when he was being burned, he was clapping his hands in the fire. And so, I mean, God is with us through the trials. He doesn't lift us out of the trials. And I'm telling you, as a believer, you will go through some hard, hard times. And I've known, I've been a Christian for a while, and I've seen people that were on fire for God. And today, they, they're not walking with God at all. And today, they've, they've fallen away. Yeah. And a lot of it is because they had faulty expectations of what it was like to follow God. Yeah. And, you know, the Bible says, through many tribulations, we must go to enter the kingdom of God. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, in this country right now, guys, it's, it's getting harder to follow God. It's, it's, they're... You know, the laws are going against the church, and I don't know what my kids are going to see. I don't know what kind of country that they're going to experience. And, and, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's time to buckle up. It's time to put on the armor because we're going through perilous times. So, okay, so, and again, and part of that is the friendships. We saw about how... Um, Solomon, his wives took him, his wives turned his heart away from God. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is something I tell the guys at the house all the time. Um, they went to a conference. They'll be here about five. Oh. Yeah. So. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31. Paul says, I affirm, brethren, by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Look at this in verse 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. Look at this. I speak this to your shame. This is, this is Paul speaking to believers. So 
bad company corrupts good morals. I, again, guys, if you, if you become a Christian, if all of your friends are bringing you down, if all of the friends that you know from your past are, are like into drugs or whatever, you need new friends, right? And I mean, if you can, if you can minister to them without being brought down, that's awesome. But if they're bringing you down, if they're, if they're causing you to sink down to the things that they're doing, you need to cut those relationships off because bad company corrupts good morals. And the people that you're with, those people you become like, you know? If you're with godly people, you become more godly, hopefully, right? If you're with sinners all the time, unless you're ministering to them and lifting them up to where you are, then you become like them. And some people, like, when I was young, when I was a young believer, I knew a girl who actually thought that dating unbelievers and, and not going all the way with them, but, ma but making out with them, that somehow that that would win them to Jesus. What? Right? Missionary? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've heard of that yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. Sadly, so yeah. that's why we need God's wisdom because there is so much craziness in the body of Christ. There is so much just stuff out there that we believe. And it's not until we come to the Word of God and renew our mind and let the Word of God into our hearts and give us that wisdom that we still have all these crazy ideas. And so again, it's this stuff about being brought up in the world, listening to all these voices every day and being, being taught by the world that we have to renew those things. And then when we get the Word of God in us, we have the wisdom to know the difference. Because the problem is, is if, until we get the Word of God into our hearts, we don't know the difference. Someone can say, you know, I think it's a great idea to make out with people and lead them to Jesus. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, you know. Right. But that's, but, uh, yeah. So uh, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing free and er, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to, the, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Okay, so what was going on in the early church is the main things that the, the apostles had to fight against were, were the, um, the Gnostics, which believed in all kinds of like angelic visions and, you know, angels coming down and, and speaking to me and stuff. And, and they were also dealing with um, Judaizers who would, who would follow the apostles around and, and say to the people, yeah, you can be a Christian, but you can be a Jew also. Or actually, they, they would say, you can be a Christian, but you need to be a Jew also. You need to keep the rituals of the temple. You need to do the sacrifices. You need to be circumcised and... Um, and you need to follow the law of Moses and all that kind of stuff. Um, observe, observe holy days and stuff like that. Um, strangely enough, these things are in the church today. Yeah, they are. So I have a question about that. So there's somebody that my friend listens to all the time. And she goes into heavenly realms all the time. And like she is led by the Spirit. I've heard mm -hmm. her talk, you know. Um, and I don't really listen to her that much, so I kind of, I'm careful, especially now, like, just with different people. But she, 
So the scriptures say that unless they were to turn you away from Jesus, but she's not doing that. So like, is is that false? Like that she does like angels do speak to her and she well when I when I say that I mean like she enters like the heavenly realm and look like God she says that God shows her things almost I guess it's like every day. Yeah. And so that does make me wonder like is that. I mean, I know there can be demonic stuff there, but, like, can it be also the Lord? The thing is, is everything has, and and, and that's a great question, because that's the thing. Everything has to be lined up with the Word of right. God. If if one of these beings, or whatever, I, and I'm not saying that angels don't speak to people, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, angels spoke to Joseph. They yeah. spoke to people in the Bible and things like that. Um, you didn't really see it on a regular basis. But were they were they the Gnostics? Were they like? Well, the problem is is that is that the, yeah, and they were they were kind of a go between, kind of like um, Mary is in the uh, Catholic Church. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah, she's not. And like so that. they were worshiping them and things, and that they were also a go between. I have to go through these to get to no, God. Okay. It's not and like so, that with so, this lady. She's yeah. like very, um, like she from the Holy Spirit talks to the Lord but she'll see what the angels are doing and then yeah. like she'll she prophesies about those things like God will give her a prophecy about yeah. it and like a lot of stuff like has come true like that she's done so it I always question that stuff obviously but yeah, yeah well I, prophecy, the spirit of Jesus. yeah, yeah and I, I would just yeah. say that if I would say test everything by the word of yeah. God mm-hmm. everything and I would say if at one point it's wrong if one point it doesn't agree with the word of God, then I would throw the whole thing out. Yeah, I agree. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, a couple of thoughts, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the Agabus prophet, he prophesied correctly that Paul was going to go and die, but he prophesied wrongly that Paul shouldn't go. You know, I mean, he mm-hmm. he interpreted wrongly what he... So he, he rightly heard from God, this is what, you, you know, right. this is what is going to happen. And we but then he put his too. own yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't want you to go because you're yeah. going to die, so don't go. Well, that wasn't correct. It was yeah. correct that he was going to die. So we can put interpretations on things. And then the verse that says, even if an angel is to tell right. you something right. that's different than the word of God. So an angel could come and, you know, because, yeah. you know, the angels of darkness... <laughs> you know, that fell, they can come too, and they look like light, so it doesn't matter if an angel told you something, if it's against right. the word of God, you yeah. can't mm-hmm. go for it, so yeah. people well, like she's, that, she could be like, she's, in danger. Yeah, she's very well known, and she um, is in, in the body very well, like, um, but she doesn't, I don't want to misinterpret her words, like, she doesn't say, like, angels told me this or whatever. She basically see, sees angels, like, the Lord takes... She says that the Lord takes her into the heavenlies every day. And that the Holy Spirit will speak to her, just different things. And the Lord had told... She said that the Lord had told her to do something, and when she started doing... She started seeing salvations, like, all the time. She has yeah. not turned away from the Lord or said, you know, something weird. Um, but I, def, I don't listen to her like my friend does, because I just want to focus more on the Word, you know, and not people, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it's interesting. Well, Cindy, were you were you going to say something? Yeah, um, 
I so I used to be into like new agey kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, and so I learned a little bit about Gnosticism during that. And basically, what the Gnostics believed was um, in like a demigod, which AKA a half god, mm -hmm. that they they believed in other words that the god that that our god um, that the god of Israel who uh, created the world and stuff was not really God, he was like an evil demigod. So basically they they like really perverted the mm. scripture. And the idea of Gnosticism is gnosis, so like knowledge. which means knowledge. So they're seeking knowledge in higher realities and the idea is to um I mean it's the same idea that you find in Buddhism and mm -hmm. New Age kind of stuff yeah. in general. Um yeah. and that's um and that's um like attaining enlightenment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's not based on grace because it's based on their own works and on the same mm -hmm. thing of like pursuing mm -hmm. yeah. the knowledge between good and evil based on their own judgment mm -hmm. um and so that that gets them to worship the enemy because they think it's knowing thyself so to speak mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of mm -hmm. what Which Gnosticism. scriptures say that our own flesh is demonic and so like I don't understand why people, well, they don't read the scriptures to see, like, that if our own flesh is demonic, we're not to even worship ourselves, or, you know what I mean? Like, I know that's very cool. That. <laughs> yeah, because it said, um, I'll find it. Paul okay. said it, because it threw me off at first. I was like, what? But I there's no good in it. And I, I would say that the main, uh, again, the main, the main way to know what God is speaking is through His Word. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that if you're if you're relying on angelic visions or whatever and stuff like that and that becomes your source then you have a problem too yes i agree no is she um is she tests the spirits each time and also like her relationship with god like does she does she seek god i mean the word does say to um to desire the spiritual gifts but it becomes an issue when people idolize spiritual yeah. experiences yeah. and the yeah. spiritual gifts and and yeah yeah so that that's where it becomes a problem and that's yeah. what i've seen yeah i've seen that too they'll idolize the spiritual gifts but their practical mm -hmm. lives are lacking yeah and i, I see mm -hmm. god more in the everyday practical life there's that's, that's tremendous awesome. spirituality in that and the everyday day-to-day -day pay your bills you know uh, whatever yeah. raise your family, work whatever. a job that is that's where spirituality is really seen. I yeah. think, a lot of times. And, and that's the wisdom that we're talking about, too. You know, mm -hmm. is that day-to-day, -day living your life. It's, it's, it's like there's so many Christians that are kooks. And you can't, I mean, they're just weird, dude. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, it's like Jesus, like Jesus was supernaturally natural, right? I mean, I don't read anywhere in the scriptures where Jesus is laying his hands on people and saying, be healed in the name of me, you know, or whatever. It's just nothing flashy at all. Right. You know, it's like, you know, just, you know, be healed and stuff. And there was nothing flashy. There's nothing ever that drew, drew attention to him. Uh, and there was nothing. I could tell you so many experiences. Um, Obviously, when I was a young Christian, I had long hair and, and things, and that was in the 80s, and that wasn't really accepted. And so, like, I went down for prayer, and this lady's, like, trying to push on my stomach and trying to, like, cast demons out and stuff, and I'm like, that's, uh, nothing's happening. 
So and and I've been in the prayer lines like like dude where like they wave their hands and people fall, and I'm I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm not saying that people right. don't get laid hands on and they fall out or well, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. But I have had people try to push me down. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like I'm not going down for you or for anybody. If the Lord ain't knocking me down, I'm not going down. And they I could tell they got frustrated by it and stuff. Yeah, right. And it's like. Dude, I'm sorry about your problem, but if the Lord's not doing it, I'm not doing it, you know, okay. and stuff. And so, uh, you know, uh, people have to stay grounded because, again, like you're saying, the gifts can become an idol. And if you're not careful, if it, just like Solomon, he started out wise, he started out humble, he started out following God with all of his heart, and these other things. Can and that's uh, the tough part of being like in charismatic circles because God does do stuff sometimes you know and it's just it takes wisdom and discernment to and sometimes you just you don't have an opinion it's like you know if God if God is doing it that's awesome if you know it's like a counterfeit a counterfeit bill a counterfeit bill is not going to be successful if it doesn't look a lot like the real thing and uh, you know and God has called us as believers not to search out the counterfeit but to be the real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the more real that we are, the, the more it's, it's evident, right? Mm -hmm. And the more that, it's, uh, that, that the world sees and the more that they want a part of that. But, you know, as long as we're, we're here in this flesh, we're, we're going to have the counterfeit. Um, look at another place in Matthew 24. Because, I don't know, this may be before you guys' time, <laughs> but... In Matthew 24, verse 36. But Jesus was talking about his, his return. And in verse 36, he says, But uh, that day and hour, the day of his returning, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son of God, but the Father alone. Um, in 1988, a guy came out with a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Return in 1988. Well, it didn't happen, and so in 1989, he wrote a book about 89 reasons why Jesus is going to come back in 1989. Guy made millions of dollars on those books, and so we, there's people in the church that are always coming up with dates about when Jesus is coming. Well, Jesus said in Matthew uh, 24, verse 36, nobody knows. He said he didn't even know. Well, know the season, but not the Right, so 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 I know automatically when someone comes up with a date, I know right there on the spot, this is wrong. What verse is that again? Verse that, twenty-four, verse thirty-six. That was the one I was looking for because, like you said, so many people have been, especially the last few years, like this is going to happen, and so and so is going to do this, and so and so, and it's kind of like at one point I just got off my Facebook because it was so silly, but I think this is a verse that came up because it's like. And, and the other one where it talks about um, you will hear this and you will hear that, but until mm -hmm. I come, this is what is really set in stone or whatever. And, and I'm like, just got to a point where it's like not even relevant, you yeah. know, because it's all over the place. Yeah. And so, and, and again, that's just some of the weirdness in the church. And, and, and the thing, there are whole conferences with stuff like this that people will pay tons of money, will buy books and stuff. And <laughs> it's like, God... I sometimes think that God looks down and he goes, when are they going to learn? One of my friends, there's a poster a few years ago about the, the, the 
2000, it's like 12, 12, 12 or something. I don't know. There's some kind of 12, 12, 12 thing or something like the Mayan calendar. Yes. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and the church is following the Mayan calendar now. It's like, old seriously? That old guy at the banner, and he was like saying, you know, he's coming or whatever this day. And, and so, um, you know, they came and passed, and my, one of my friends said he was driving down Locust, whatever, and they had that poster. And like, Lord, that's just so embarrassing. Like, that's just so embarrassing they would have that up there. Like, oh, it's just like a uh, shame to it. Like, it makes Christians look so stupid. And he said that God told him, for some people, I did come on that day. Mm. <laughs> and he was like, oh. <laughs> like, it was the day, or it was like the day of judgment was that day. Like, yeah. The day of judgment is 12, 12, 12. And, oh, and he said, the Lord said, it was the day of judgment for some people on that day. And he's like, yeah. oh, okay, God. <laughs> well, and, then, and you know, when it comes to end times, honestly, I have, I mean, there are people that that's all they study. And just like we were talking about before, if you're unbalanced in any area, no matter what it is, you are unbalanced. And God wants us to be balanced. I mean, people get, people have their pet doctrines that they chase after, and this becomes their thing. If any doctrine that you have becomes your thing, then you are overbalanced. You know, and, and, and the thing is, is God wants a people that are mature. He wants a people that God never wants us to take our brains out and throw them away. God gave us a brain. He told us to love him with all our hearts, with all our might, with all our mind and with all of our strength. He gives us his mind. He gives us the mind of Christ. He gives us his word so that we can understand what he's like. His word was not given to us to make it more convoluted. And to make it to this weird stuff. I mean, his word is practical. And his word will give us strength daily to follow him and in our daily mundane lives to live our lives after him. In the Old Testament,